2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
0: Well, hello. Welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie. If you have anything you'd like to share... You can email me at jewel says at gmail.com. You know, I try to keep somewhat abreast of what's going on in the world. However, I admit I try to look away. I don't comment or share any content from those who seem to take a uh, perverse pleasure in deliberately inciting outrage. You know the kind, sexual assaulters, human traffickers, white supremacists, pedos. So I had no idea of one such creature's existence when Catherine recently experienced a brouhaha over said creature's mention. Don't get me wrong, I admire people who have the stomach to confront these dragons, but I also think there's value in most of us just looking away and not giving their existence any oxygen. I prefer to take notice of people I admire. For example, the legend Jennifer Coolidge. She's been in the news lately. The first time I recall seeing Jennifer Coolidge was in American Pie. I think it was, that was probably around 1999. I don't know if I actually saw the film until later. But I was still in my 30s, the end of my 30s, Freshly separated from the girl's father. And I remember thinking, Stifler's mom, there's a role for a woman my age. She happens to be a year or two younger than I am, but still in the range. And at the time, I hadn't seen very many women around my age. The ripe old age of 39, portrayed as hot and funny. My God, she was only 38, I think. Maybe a bit younger when she filmed it. So we're definitely of a similar vintage. But seeing Stifler's mom gave me hope. Maybe it's not too late for me. Then she was in Legally Blonde. Then she'd pop up in this or that. And I would always think, "Ah, why can't I do something like that? I want to do something like that. But I really developed um, a caring love for her character in The White Lotus, especially season two. Which is kind of strange because at first I'm like, oh my God, this woman is quite self-absorbed. And she was. But yet she was occasionally insightful, sometimes thoughtful of her little protege or her assistant, I should say. Not her protege, really. And she had this really appealing vulnerability. I wanted to be her friend. I wanted to help her not fall for these diabolical men. I was rooting for her. I was nervous for her when she did things that I thought were risky. And then the ending, I'm sure it's no spoiler. Everybody's been talking about it. I was just so proud of her at the end. And then, bam, I actually gasped when she didn't make the landing into the small boat. When I saw that scene, it was like a gut punch. I felt incredibly sad. I don't always become that invested in in a show. Andrew Johnston got me onto it, and at first, Abe and I watched a couple of episodes of season one, and we're like, eh, it's okay. A bit soap opery." But then when we got into it, we absolutely loved it. I still feel this weird emotional connection to her, or her character, as I replay that season two ending in my head. And then her Golden Globe acceptance speech. Oh my god. I've accepted over the years that even if I had been in the right place at the right time, I could never have had that career. I don't have her magic. I don't have her naturally comedic vulnerability that draws people in. I just don't. So I guess I'll have to be thankful for what I do have. I'm I'm just so glad to have a podcast and, and, and that you're listening. Thank you. And they were like, maybe five people who kept me going in Sarnia community theater with with some big roles and some little roles uh, people who believed in me like George Henry um I don't know it was just there was Marianne and there was and and let's see we got who else was there I I guess it was just you Marianne and I just... Want you all to know that I had, I had such big dreams and, and expectations as a younger person. But you know, these things, they, they, they get fizzled by life, by, by 28 years working for a petrochemical company. I thought I, maybe I'd leave and get out of the IT business. You know, I had these giant ideas, but, but then you get older and, and well, when I lived in Sarnia, my neighbors on Odell didn't even speak to me. I I wasn't invited to even one street party. And and now I'm gone. So that's fine. But I I just want to say, I'm no Jennifer Coolidge. But if you need a low budget non union woman of a certain age, well, I'm not dead yet. And as long as I'm not dead, there's there's a a sliver, just just a glimmer of hope. I just, all I ever wanted to do was just pretend I'm someone else, if that makes any sense. I just, it, it's an escape. Does anyone have any Oreo cookie cake? Is that even a thing? Oh, well, yeah. I have a special guest. Fred Kudstra's best friend, Grandfather Abe the Babe, is joining me today. I don't know if you're aware, Abe follows a fairly strict vegan diet with very, very few exceptions. I know you hear a lot of jokes about vegans being judgmental assholes. Abe is not an openly judgmental vegan. It's a choice that he made many years ago, early in our relationship. And I just wanted to have him on to talk about why he decided to make that transition and how he made the transition and how he sticks with it. It might give people some food for thought. A couple of points before I bring Abe in. He does mention the China study in this discussion, which has some dissenters. But this discussion is not about fact and trying to convince you of anything. It's really about Abe's journey. And nutritional science is definitely far from settled fact. And certainly different people have different food tolerances, and we have variable nutritional requirements. Please welcome grandfather Abe the babe. Abe is with me in the closet. Hello. Hi, how are you?
3: I'm great, thanks.
0: I would like you to share, well, let's start with the why you decided to become vegan. You did some research.
3: Yeah. Well, I was always kind of interested in uh, diet and health, and um, I was uh, in my early 20s. You know, that's about the time that you're in charge of your own diet and shopping, and... um, Really, it was uh, a friend of mine, he was vegan, and he was just talking with me about it, and he recommended some books, and I thought, okay, well, it is something I've always been interested in, so I'll read some some of the books he uh, recommended.
0: And he was an athlete. He was almost an Olympic-level skier, isn't that right? A skier?
3: Yeah. He wasn't uh, vegan at the time, but uh, he's still very athletic. Both he and his wife, they're, well, we keep in touch, and they're very active and athletic.
0: You weren't vegan when you and I first started going out, so it was at some point shortly after we started dating. And what was some of the information that that you found?
3: Well, for me, I was mostly interested in how a vegan or vegetarian diet was, you know, how it affected one's health that's mostly what I was interested in. Of course, now we know that it uh, is very beneficial to the environment. But at the time, that was not on my radar at all.
0: So you weren't doing this just to be nice to the animals or to worry about the environment?
3: Not really. I It was mostly narcissistic reasons, I suppose.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you were looking after your own well-being. I just want to say, I was vegan for a couple of years when the children were growing up. My reason was because I had a history of disordered eating and I wanted to be thin. And I read some books about it. Some of the information I read, though, did correlate to health. I just want to say that I did it wrong. I used to cook regular meals for my family, a stir fry or something. And then I just didn't eat the chicken. And I wouldn't eat rice because I was worried about starch. So my diet was probably even though most North Americans eat too much protein, I would say at that time, my diet was probably deficient in protein. And I lost quite a bit of hair and my skin got quite saggy during that time. And it never quite recovered. So I think you do have to do it right. I think people worry too much about protein. But one of the things I read was that too much animal protein will actually leach calcium from your system. I don't know if it's true. I don't necessarily know whether my source was correct. But we do have higher rates of osteoporosis in North America and Western societies than they have in countries where no one drinks milk.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, the animal protein or the animal fat and protein does leach calcium from the body. So protein. In North America, we think we need to have a lot of protein. And I also thought I needed, I just kind of followed the same advice that you'd see in men's health about how many grams of protein per pounds uh, of body weight, because I was at the time working out quite a bit. Uh, I was walking around over 195 pounds of lean muscle. I was very much into exercise and working out, So uh, I was following that, but, you know, the formula is, well, grams of protein per pound or kilogram of body weight. I don't know exactly what it is offhand. I would have 25 years ago, but uh, that formula, it's been proven to be false. But you do need protein. And I think you didn't quite compensate for that because it was something that i was interested in like keeping body mass i did supplement and i do supplement not with i don't take supplements i make sure that i do have protein in the form of usually tofu nuts a lot of nuts and legumes
0: yes we eat a vegan diet for the most part at home but the one of the studies i read back in the day was about arterial plaque They did autopsies, apparently, after I think it was the Vietnam and or the Korean War on these young, fit, healthy men. And they discovered that they had a significant buildup of arterial plaque, even though they were very young and healthy and fit. And I think normally you would never do an autopsy on a young, healthy, fit man because they wouldn't die. But during the war, people were killed. And one of the studies I read, I... I don't know the accuracy of the study, and I don't recall the source, and I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but did you read studies about that, and were you concerned at all about arterial plaque?
3: Well, I mean, I was early 20s, so, well, I mean, yeah, I was always just concerned about general health, and plaque didn't really come to mind, but yeah, that was a theme that would keep coming up in uh, literature that I was reading. But if you want to, if you're interested in finding out more about like a very good study for health and nutrition, the China study is an amazing, complete study that it's the most complete study that there is. This is what all the scientists say. So that's something that, you know, you should look at and it talks about essentially A vegan diet is basically the best kind of diet you can have for health and disease prevention.
0: One of the things that people will argue is the reason humans evolved to have such big brains is because we ate meat. Certainly, human beings are adaptable and we became omnivorous. And there are places in the world, historically and even today, where you don't have an option. If you can't eat meat or milk, you're probably going to die. So obviously we have the luxury of choice in our society, and financially we have the luxury. It's not like we have a cow that gives us milk and that's what we need to survive, you know? It's different.
3: Mm -hmm. It's
0: different for us in our society.
3: Yeah, for sure. We're uh, lucky. Here we can have a diet of whatever we decide. Certainly... Many vegan foods are not the best. I mean, chips and candies, are plenty of them are vegan. So it's about being mindful about the food as a whole, what you're eating.
0: And real food. Uh, We don't really, we do sometimes indulge in the convenience of quote-unquote fake meat. Like, again, that's a processed food. So I don't think that's necessarily ideal either. Those things tend to be high in sodium and everything else. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, definitely Sodium's a big one when it comes to any processed food. But yeah, for sure, veggie burgers or anything like that. Sodium is going to be very high in those products.
0: Let's talk a bit about the transition from a regular meat-eating diet to a vegan diet.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
0: I don't think it was very difficult for you. When Abe and I first started dating, he did eat meat. He liked ribs and chicken and bacon and things like that. I remember once in the early days, I made him a delicious stir fry with steak in it. And he sort of picked around the steak and ate it. And he's like, yeah, I don't really like meat. So I think it might have been easier for you than it would be for some people because you never really loved meat anyway. Would you say that's true?
3: I loved uh, certain kinds of meats like ribs, bacon, roasted chicken was is pretty delicious. Or I did find it delicious at the time anyway. But um, yeah, I was never a big red meat eater, that's for sure. I would never, I didn't even know about rare steaks uh, <laughs> until, you know, my teens or something.
0: Yeah, it's not like you went out and had a Chateaubriand for your birthday.
3: No, yeah, that would not be my first choice. Growing up, we had to, we had a uh, very, I'd say, economical diet. Yeah, I mean, there were times where we didn't didn't have a very good diet growing up. But one of the really nice things was we would have a huge garden. And it was a lot of work and mom would have to harangue us, but it provided a lot of food. And, you know, as the summer came came along and we'd say, mom, I'm hungry. She'd say, oh, well, you know, the kohlrabi are ready. So go in the garden and, and have a kohlrabi.
0: You use the word kohlrabi. I think a lot of people don't know what kohlrabi is. You could have said carrot, Abe.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, I know. When we were talking before, I used a carrot as an example, but that's later in the the year.
0: Okay, yeah, see, you know what? A lot of people don't know what a kohlrabi is. I do feel, though, the transition is easier for you if you like vegetables. I love all vegetables. I even love raw turnip. But people are genetically predisposed to not necessarily like vegetables. I know that when Catherine did her genetic testing years ago for that show she did when she was expecting Violet, they told her she had the gene to not like the bitter taste of vegetables, specifically Brussels sprouts. But she happens to like Brussels sprouts. So I contend that if you raise your child... And make sure that they always have vegetables to try. Growing up, they will learn to like them.
3: Yeah, I, I yeah, because I you, with that. you
0: didn't have an option of saying to your mom, "Oh, I don't like what you're making," or "I want chicken fingers," or "I want French fries." Like that wasn't an option.
3: <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got what you got.
0: Yes, that's right. And if there was no food. You had to go to the garden. Most of us don't have a garden. But I also think a lot of people have a misconception that eating vegan or adding more vegetables to their diet is expensive. And it could be depending on what you choose to eat. Carrots are pretty cheap. Onions, potatoes, cabbage, those vegetables are cheap. We buy dried beans in a bag and soak them and cook them. We don't buy canned beans. Those are cheap.
3: Yeah, all of those things are very inexpensive. And actually, those are the, I'd say, the healthiest ways you could purchase them, right? They're the closest to natural, like, as they're harvested. The more expensive things are the canned things that we buy or processed things. Those are more expensive because processing costs money.
0: Or imported or off-season. Yeah. The further something has to travel, the more expensive it is. I bought two lemons this week. They were a dollar each. We're not going to be eating a diet high in lemons, you know. Luckily, Abe and I aren't on a food budget. We can afford to buy whatever we want. We're very blessed that way. But a lot of people don't have that luxury. I didn't always have that luxury. You certainly didn't grow up having that luxury.
3: Oh, no, not at all. Like, yeah, that garden was a blessing. But again, that's like... uh a small portion of the year where we'd have fresh vegetables.
0: It's a short window of opportunity.
3: Yeah. Although we did pickle and or preserve things.
0: So you didn't find it hard to transition?
3: No. Uh, I. For me, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, if I couldn't have cheese, I'd die. You know, there were some things that I did crave initially for a period of time, especially when I'd smell bacon or Maybe roasted chicken, something like that. But uh, with time, now when I smell those things, uh, they actually kind of turn me off. So, but I know I'm luckier than a lot of people. If I, I feel like if I was addicted to smoking or something, I'd just be able to make up my mind and say, no, I'm not. I can just stop. Or I, you know, I just made up my mind and decided, okay, I'm going to be vegan and. That's it. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, you really inconvenienced me. We were dating and then it was like, oh, God, what am I going to cook for this man? So, you know, anyway, it, and so we eat vegan at home. I'm not 100% vegan. I do love a uh, real whipped cream in a coffee with booze in it. I don't have coffee with booze in it every day. So, oh, and also you're not judgmental. If we have guests, I will cook a roast or a turkey Abe will also barbecue real meat. We had a gathering this summer, and he was slaving over the barbecue, cooking shrimp and scallop skewers and chicken skewers, and you're fine. It's not like you're judgmental with people.
3: Yeah, I mean, my veganism is my business. Uh, If you want to ask me questions respectfully, we can talk about it. And I'm not going to push it on you, but I'm not going to bring it up because it's Actually, more effort and pain for me (laughs) than it is for you, actually.
0: What do you mean? Talking about it?
3: Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you're not going to lecture people about it. That's the bottom line. It's not like, well, you shouldn't eat meat. No. So the transition wasn't particularly difficult. If you had to recommend, let's say someone just wants to cut out a few things or cut back. What would you recommend would be, health-wise, the top thing that you could maybe cut back on?
3: Health-wise, the top thing that I'd recommend taking out of your diet.
0: Or reducing.
3: Yeah, that would be dairy. Why? I would I would cut dairy before cutting any meat.
0: Why is that? It's not
3: good for you at all. I mean, it's... It's
0: good for you if you're starving.
3: Yeah, you can live off of it, but it's not ideal for sure. Like, if you look... You know, if we look at the basic components of milk, it's fat and protein and lactase, which is sugar, and some some new other vitamins. But, I mean, we can get those things otherwise, and so many people are just, they're allergic to or intolerant of milk, and a lot of people don't know it. But, you know, you just get used to your stomach being knotted up, or you, you just get used to it. So a lot of people just don't think of it and that's largely because of all the advertising and the lobbyists and even in until recently our food pyramid had dairy on it as a large component so
0: that's right the canada food guide recently removed dairy as its own category of what you need for a healthy well balanced diet
3: yeah that's in canada but in i believe it's still there in the us
0: maybe but i mean it makes sense Cow's milk is the perfect food for a baby calf to grow from, how much would a baby calf weigh when it's born? Oh, Like a few hundred pounds to, I don't know if they get to be a thousand pounds within six months. Like, yeah,
3: I mean, it's hundreds of pounds in a very short time.
0: Yeah, it's the perfect food for a calf. And it's the perfect food for whipped cream on an Irish coffee. I stand by that, but I'm not drinking Irish coffee for my health. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. well, that actually kind of brings up another one of the valid points, right? A lot of delicious recipes have been developed, and foods, or edible things, I should say, have been developed using animal products over hundreds of years. So the hardest part is finding new recipes. And one thing I'd recommend is just try to find recipes that, Aren't substitutions really for or that try to mimic meat-based foods?
0: Oh, yeah. There was a restaurant that used to be around the corner from us. I won't name it because now it's just further down the street. And it was a vegan restaurant, but everything in this restaurant was processed fake meat. Mm. There wasn't a vegetable in sight. I think the closest thing they had to a vegetable was French fries.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. So another, an example of something that's vegan, but not good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had something like chicken wings, but yeah.
0: Oh, everything in there was just processed fake meat. So we weren't fans. So they fucked off and moved down the street. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think if you're transitioning, there's no harm in having those things as a treat once in a while. Yeah. And we do eat fake meat as a treat once in a while, and I eat real meat once in a while as a treat, Mm -hmm. but I'm not as slim as Abe, and even though Abe has never been a woman or had the hormones of a woman or given birth to three people and raised them— those are other variables that go into my body type being different from Abe's.
3: Yeah, no doubt hormones have a big factor. Yeah. Play a big part.
0: I have some, still have some maternal stores. But it's also, I, my diet is not as fastidiously healthful as Abe's diet. So fine. That's important to me because I really enjoy certain foods that Abe doesn't even miss. And for me, it's worth it. So I make that choice. But... What kills me is the comments that Abe gets. People joke about vegans being judgmental. The comments Abe gets from people are really hilarious to me because I feel like, wow, you'll see a guy who's got an extra 50 pounds of stomach make a comment to Abe like, hey, Abe, you just need to eat a steak once in a while. And I'm like, dude. I don't say this. I just think it in my head. Look in the mirror and then look at Abe and then make fun of his diet. Ah, who do you think is doing things right?
3: Yeah, there have been some good comments. One was, uh, where do you get your dairy? Oh, yeah. That one.
0: Well, because it was on the food group. People thought it was a necessity.
3: Right. Yeah. And
0: we had friends who used to call you buttercup.
3: Yeah, and I think that really a lot of this just comes from uh poor education is nutritional education. It's it's a real letdown because dairy's not a basic component of nutrition. It's not, you know, we've got carbs, fat, and protein. Those are the basic components of nutrition. And then you've got all the vitamins and, and minerals on top of that. But another comment I got, well, it was more in the form of a story that this uh, person we know, she works in the medical industry and her father was a sheep shearer and he was a gun shearer. So he could shea- he could shear a <laughs> hundred sheep in a day, something like that, you know, a, a high number of sheep. And uh, she said, well, those guys, they just, they had to eat meat to be able to keep up that level of physical activity. And to that, I mean... Actually, I think everyone should watch the documentary movie Game Changer, if that's what you think, because that will change your mind.
0: And there's a section in Game Changer about nocturnal erectile function when eating animal products versus not eating animal products. In case that matters to you, I don't care, but men adore their erectile function, and it's very important to them, I think.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: they live for it.
3: Yeah. One of the other things the movie points out or, or uh, highlights is that the world's strongest man is a vegan. And this was as of 2020 or 2021, something like that. Again, I think hormones played a factor, but yeah. it's possible.
0: So Abe's not saying go vegan. Abe's just saying if you're thinking of it, well, I shouldn't put words in your mouth. What I'm thinking is it might not hurt some of us to cut back or even at a minimum, add more vegetables to your diet. I feel bad for people who don't like vegetables because I love them. I have a hard time eating something I don't like. I don't like liver. If somebody said liver is the best thing in the world for you and now you have to eat liver every day, I'd have a very hard time with that. So I get it. But I think for most of us, even if we just add more vegetables to our diet, we're probably doing ourselves a favor.
3: I agree. Well said.
0: Okay. Thank you, Abe.
3: Thank you, Julie.
0: If you have anything you'd like to ask Abe, you can email me and I will pass it on. Thank you for listening. Eat your veggies and have a good week.